0: Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Highland Park Baptist Church. The preaching and teaching ministry of Highland Park is led by our pastor, Dr. Jeremy Wallace. Our desire is to help you grow in your faith so that you can better glorify God, make disciples and love others. To learn more, visit us at hpbc.church. Now, here's this week's message. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, let me encourage you to open them with me to Revelation chapter 3. We're going to start looking in verse number 14 in just a moment. Also, if you have a bulletin, you'll notice that on the back of your bulletin, there's an outline. We're going to go through this pretty quickly this morning. Um... But as we mentioned earlier, we are planning to start a new series next Sunday on the book of Jonah in both our contemporary service and this service it will be a four week study. And I think it's going to be challenging. I think it's going to be encouraging. I think you're going to see things that you've probably not seen before, but we're calling the series God in Pursuit. And so I encourage you to make a point to be at that those messages. I think it will be encouraging if you are out of town and you happen to miss. Keep in mind, we do post all of our messages online And so if you miss something, you can go online and kind of catch up. Well, this morning we are wrapping up a series, a study on the seven letters to the seven churches in Revelation. And so even though this is a series, each week kind of stands alone. And so if you've not been here for the previous weeks, that's okay. This message does not depend on anything we've talked about in those. But what I want us to do is kind of understand a little bit about this last letter, the letter to the church at Laodicea. So each of these letters was written to a specific church in a specific city. They have a specific context. And so I want to give you a little bit of that context this morning. The the city of Laodicea was kind of located at a crossroads. Um, It wasn't selected because of its natural resources, but because there were always people traveling by. And so they, they, they selected this location. They said, this will be a great location. We'll always have people coming through. There'll always be people to sell stuff to. But they missed out on one thing, and you'll see what that is in just a moment. About six miles up the road this direction, there was a town called Heropolis. And Heropolis was famous for their hot springs. In fact, the water in these hot springs could get as warm as 95, 96 degrees Celsius. And excuse me, Fahrenheit. And so this would be, this, this water was used for medicinal purposes. And so as people would come to this town, Heropolis, for this water, I mean, the people were suffering with all kind of like skin disease and eye problems. These waters were viewed as healing. So these these hot waters were very, very valuable. A few miles, the other direction of Laodicea was the city of Colossae. Colossae did not have the hot waters. They had natural cold springs. It was the most it was the coldest, most refreshing water in the whole region. Well, you come back over here to Laodicea, they had a problem. If they needed the hot waters for the medicinal purposes, they could travel the six miles and they could go to Heropolis and they could benefit from these hot waters. But they needed cold water each and every day just to survive. And so what they would try to do is they built these, these kind of pipe-type things and they tried to kind of funnel this water down to Laodicea. But what do you think happened to that cold water by the time it got to Laodicea? I heard somebody say lukewarm. You kind of know where this is going, don't you? Yeah, it was warm. It kind of, it didn't really serve the purpose. So as as Christ is writing this, understand that the hot waters had value. It was needed. And the cold water had value. It was needed. The one thing that was worthless was the lukewarm water. And so when you think of Laodicea, many people think of the fact that this passage mentions that they were lukewarm. And that's... Kind of the theme of this, because what we're going to see, you see the title on the screen, religion versus relationship. A lot of times what happens to many of us is we, over time, begin to substitute a commitment to religion rather than maintaining a commitment to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what this addresses. So if you have your outline, I want to dive right in and and. Point out several things. Again, we're going to go through this pretty quickly, but here's number one. First thing we need to learn from this text is that Jesus is sickened by the show of fake religion. Jesus is sickened by the show of fake religion. Look with me, if you will, at verse 15 and 16. Here's what he says. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. Remember, the cold and hot both were valuable. They both were needed. They both were viewed as good. Verse 16. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Now, what a picture. Kind of literal, isn't it? You know what he's saying? This sickens me. When 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 churches and believers are neither cold nor hot, when they're just kind of lukewarm going through the motions, that is sickening to Christ. We already mentioned the, the springs and the cold waters. But what we have to understand about this is how do we apply it? I mean, it's one thing to look and say, OK, I don't want to be lukewarm. What does that mean? And what does it mean to be cold and hot, be, to, to have these two positive things versus worthless and sickening? See, I think one of the things you begin to realize as you study this is that this church in Laodicea had all kinds of people coming. And we're going to see their wealth in just a moment. But although they were involved in church and although they were going to church, they were focused on religion, not on relationship. Listen, this is so easy to do. Here's what we have to understand. Just because we go to church and we tag ourselves with the label of Christianity is no guarantee that we are truly growing in our relationship with God. It is possible. Not only possible, it happens. That we come to church each week and we sing the songs and we're involved in the ministries and the activities. It is possible to do all of those things and still be sickening to Christ. Not because of what we're doing, but by the fact that we are trusting in religion rather than in a relationship. See, if we're simply just going through the motions of our faith and we're not cold and we're not hot. We're that water that's been kind of funneled in, and it's got lukewarm over time, and it's stagnant, and it's complacent. See, when when a church gets to the place where they simply go through the motions, I think what Christ would say is that's sickening. Or when a church gets to the place where people are coming and apart, but there's no true relationship, there's no true salvation that's taking place, then we are characterized as lukewarm. So here's what we have to understand. You are not a believer... Simply because you attend church. Right? You are not a believer simply because you go through the motions of religion. God has no grandchildren. He has sons and he has daughters. See, I can imagine this church at Laodicea, if you were to go and ask them how they were doing spiritually and and why they thought they were okay, many of them would say, you know what? I was born into a Christian family. You know what that means? I mean, that's good, but it doesn't guarantee salvation. People say, well, I've been in church all my life. Well, it doesn't guarantee salvation. Well, I was baptized when I was really little. You know, baptism even doesn't guarantee salvation. It's a first step of obedience after salvation. So here's what you have to ask yourself this morning. Am I focusing on religion rather than relationship? Am I simply going through the motions of my faith, going through the motions of church, tagging myself as a Christian, but failing to live this out in everyday life? Because if we're just simply going through the motions, then we have no impact. This past week, I had the opportunity to meet with the principal of Hanahan High School. At 9 o'clock on Thursday, or I guess it was the middle school first at 9 o'clock, I met with the middle school principal. At 10 o'clock, I met with the high school principal, and hopefully next week, I'm going to have opportunity to meet with the elementary school principal. And one of the things we're doing as we sit down and I talk with them is I want them to know that we want to help impact our community. We're not simply interested, at least we shouldn't be, in coming to church on Sunday and then going on and living our lives however we want to. Our goal as a church and as believers should be to impact those around us, and so We're talking about how can we do this? How can we partner with the schools? How can our church family and our members get connected with the schools in our area and make a difference? Why? Because if we just simply come and go through the motions of a church service, failing to ever be concerned or care about the community in which God has placed us, then I think Christ would look at us and say, you are lukewarm. You're not serving the... You're not serving the the needs that that, or the benefits of the hot water. You're not seeing the benefits of the cold water. You're right there in the middle, and you're not impacting anyone. You're not impacting your community. You're not pointing people to Christ. You're simply going through the motions. What's the point? What's the point? So let me ask you a personal question here real quick. Are you in your own individual life focused on religion, or are you more focused on relationship? Are you content to simply go through the motions of your faith, go through the motions of church, go through the motions of what we call Christianity, but care nothing about making an impact? Care nothing about the people in your life, care nothing about your community? You have to ask yourself, am I hot or cold or am I simply lukewarm? Let's move on to number two. Number two. Important for us to understand that material possessions do not guarantee a relationship with God. Material possessions do not guarantee a relationship with God. Look at verse 17. Because you say, I'm rich, I have become wealthy and need nothing, you don't know that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. This church in Laodicea was very wealthy. In fact, one person in the town, when they passed away, put in their will to leave 1,000 talents to the city of Laodicea. You say, what is 1,000 talents? Today, that'd be equivalent to about $1 billion to the city. And so when earthquakes took place and kind of completely destroyed the city of Laodicea, they had enough money and reserves to completely rebuild the, 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 the entire city. In fact, Rome called. I was called. I doubt they called. But Rome <laughs> sent a messenger and said, hey, we want to help you rebuild, we'll loan you the money. And they said, no, we don't need it. They had people in Laodicea that were so wealthy that they were described and kind of labeled as, as royalty in the Roman Empire simply because they had so much. And so if you were to walk into the church at Laodicea and ask them, how are you doing? They would say, fine, we're great. You would say, why? they say, well, we have all the money we need. We have all the resources we need. We have everything we need to do anything we want. We are good. Here's the problem. They were trusting that. And in their mind, because they had all of these material resources, it meant in their mind that they were okay spiritually. Christ says, whoa, stop for a second. Just because you may have spiritual, excuse me, material wealth, that is no guarantee that you have a spiritual relationship with God. They, They were trusting in their resources. They were trusting in what they had. See, what we have to understand is that What we have and what we do not have has no bearing on whether or not we have a relationship with God. You can be the, the richest person in the world, but there is no guarantee that you have spiritual wealth. And you can be the poorest person in the earth, but still have everything you need spiritually. Most of you were here when I told about my trip to Costa Rica when I was 16, 20 years ago. Oh, quit laughing. Yes, I'm... I know I'm young. So we went to Costa Rica on this island that was seven miles round. No electricity, no running water. We went on this little boat over there, but they had this church service. And the people came and they just sat on these wooden boards and cinder blocks. No walls, no air conditioning, no restrooms, no comforts whatsoever. But when they sang, you could tell it was sincere. When they worshiped, I mean, they raised their hands and praised the God and say, I mean, it, it, was, it was incredible. From a material standpoint, they had nothing. But I can tell you, they had everything they needed spiritually. They were worshiping and praising. Their relationship with God was real. They were not concerned with religion. They were focused on God. And yet there are other churches who have all the resources you could possibly imagine, considered wealthy, have everything they can possibly need, but it's stagnant, complacent, and dead. See, what we have or what we do not have as a church or as individuals does not guarantee our relationship with God. It's completely disconnected. So this church was trusting in their possessions. They were trusting in what they had. But let's move on then to... To the next. As you're looking at the very next verse, verse 18, verse 17 mentions they're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked, all these things. But then, number three, understand that redemption is our true need. Redemption is our true need. Look at verse 18. So, in response to all of their spiritual needs, Christ says they had all these physical, material things that they were trusting in, but they were lacking spiritually. Here's what Christ says I advise. You to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you may be rich, white clothes so that you may be dressed, and your shameful nakedness not exposed, and ointment to spread on your eyes so that you may see. So all of the spiritual needs addressed in verse seventeen, Christ is saying, I am the answer. I am what you need. See, religion cannot make you see when you are blind. And religion cannot clothe you when you're spiritually naked. And religion cannot give you all of these things that they were spiritually needing. The only thing that can provide for you what you need spiritually is found in the person of Jesus Christ. That's why religion is worthless. That's why religion does not save. That's why going through the motions of Christianity doesn't do anything in our relationship with God. Because going through the motions of Christianity and church and religion cannot meet your spiritual need. And there's some people who go to church for years and they're trusting in the fact that they're going to church and they go through the the services and they go through all of these things and they look at that and they trust in that. What they fail to see is that the fact that they're going through all of this stuff means nothing and guaranteeing that they have a relationship with God. Redemption is our greatest need. Relationship with Christ is our greatest need. So all of us here, we need to be reminded of that. You may be here and you have no relationship with God. You need to be reminded that your greatest need is a relationship with Christ. And you may be been in church all your life. And you have a true relationship with Christ. But over time, you've grown complacent. You need to be reminded this morning that what you need is Christ. Christ is what brings Salvation. Let me give you number four. We need to respond to the convicting work of God. Look at verse 19. As many as I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be committed and repent. See, the only way this church at Laodicea could, could kind of miss or avoid the judgment of God is through that key word that we've seen each and every week. Repent. 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 That is the key word. So you're in maybe in one of two groups this morning. Maybe you're here and you've never had a relationship with God. And you've just been going through the motions or maybe you're here and you've never cared. I mean, you didn't care about church. You didn't care about God. You didn't care about religion. You didn't care about any of it. So your need is redemption. And God this morning may be kind of calling out to you. And this morning you see the need. So the response is repentance. This week at Hoops was ABC week. Now, that may not mean much, but I think we have a lot of people here who know what the ABCs stand for. What does A stand for? Admit. Admit that you are a sinner. Admit that, that you need a Savior. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. What does the B stand for? Believe. Believe that Jesus died on the cross, that you need a Savior. Believe that the only hope you have is found in the person of Jesus Christ. What does the C stand for? Confess, confess your sins Make Jesus Lord of your life So some of you may be here this morning And that's what you need You need that ABC, the admit, the believe, confess You need to give your life to Christ But there's probably a whole lot more of you That are over here in this camp You're here You're religious You're church going You know truth But you're complacent You've lost the excitement of your faith. And to you, your faith in Christianity is just about keeping up appearances. You're like those brownies. You look good on the outside, but inside there's a problem. And you know you're just going through the motions. And you know that it's not real. And you know you really don't care about your relationship with God. You know in your own heart and in your own mind that there is something missing. The response for you is still to repent. It's still to confess that, to be committed to Christ, repent of that, because whether you're in this camp or this camp, religion's not going to help. Only a relationship with Christ is going to help. Let me give you number five. We need to open the door to Christ. Look at verse 20. It says, listen, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and have dinner with him, and he with me. Get the picture. Christ is standing at the door of your heart, and he is knocking. So, what do you all do when the doorbell rings or someone knocks? Turn off the lights, mute the TV, tell everybody to be still and quiet. <laughs> yeah, I know how it works. It's like nobody move. Or there's one person army crawling across the floor to peek through the blinds, see who it is, to see if it's go- all right. It's safe. It's that's how we sometimes are, but. Get the picture this morning that the that Christ is there knocking on the door of your heart. And he's calling. And what he is saying to you this morning is religion will not help you. So if you want, if someone's knocking on your door and you want them to come in, what do you have to do? Notice it doesn't say that Christ is standing there getting ready to kick the door of your heart in. He's knocking. He's knocking, and he's there, saying, "I am here, and I am ready to provide all of the spirit for the for all of the spiritual needs that you have. I am here." But listen, he is not going to force it on you. He is there, and he is knocking, and he is waiting patiently. Not just to begin a relationship with you, but to have this ongoing relationship, this ongoing fellowship, this ongoing communion with you. So what do we have to do? See, the challenge this morning is to open the door. To stop trusting in religion. Stop relying on religion. Stop going through the motions. Stop being complacent. Trust Christ. Focus on your relationship with Christ. Because it is only Christ that can give you what you need. And listen, it doesn't matter how long you've been saved, we need to be reminded of this. It is so easy to, to gradually drift over into this area of complacency. And I would argue that this place of complacency is far more dangerous than anywhere else we could be. As a church, and as believers, as families. Any of you ever been whitewater rafting? Where I'm from in Chattanooga, we were about an hour and a half from the Okoe, which is where they did Olympic whitewater rafting. And there's a lot of places around there to go, and I've been a few times. But here in the U.S., they the the whitewater rapids only go up to a class five. But there are other places in the world that that it's different. There's actually a place I was reading about this week that where the rapids can go all the way up to class eight. So I read about these brothers who traveled to the western edge of Zimbabwe to raft the Zambezi River. In fact, the this waterfall that creates this river and creates these rapids is so magnificent, so huge, that the mist off of the falls can be seen from as far as 50 miles away. So it create, falls hundreds of feet and it creates these rapids and so this group of people were getting on this, on their raft to begin and the instructor, I mean this one of those rapids where you have to wear the life vest and you have the big helmet on and I mean it's, it's dangerous and so they're getting ready to go down, this one they were going down was class seven rapids and so they're getting on this eight person raft and these were all people that never done anything this dramatic this drastic this severe and so they're all getting on so the instructor's telling them listen there's some things you need to know first of all the raft will flip i think i would have got off right there and y'all have fun (laughs) the raft will flip not if not it's when it's going to flip now here's he said here's the next important thing he said it If you forget this, it's deadly. He said, when the raft flips and you're thrown into the water, the temptation is going to be to swim to the edges where the water is calm. Do not do that. Because in the calm, complacent waters, that's where the crocodiles are. See y'all later. Y'all have fun. I would have been done. He said the temptation, whenever the boat flips and people are thrown out into the water, the temptation is always to swim out of the rough water into the stagnant waters. He said, but it is far more dangerous in the stagnant waters than it is in the rough waters. He said, if you swim over to the edge, it's almost guaranteed you will not survive. He says... The the crocs are aligned. They they, they know what to expect. He said, so when you're dumped out, stay in the rough waters. Wait for the raft to turn back right and then grab hold. See, the Christian life many times is very challenging, isn't it? It's tough. Life's hard. The bottom fall. I've heard of people today, their families are facing tragedy. I've heard people today that they're going to the doctor this next week to find out the results of a test. People are burdened. And in those times where it seems like we've been thrown out of the raft, it is very easy just to drift over to these places of complacency. But just like in the illustration, I would suggest to you and I would argue that it is far more deadly to be spiritually, to be in a place of complacency than in the middle of The life, the struggle, where the lifeboat is. See, some of you this morning, over time, you have drifted to a place of complacency. And what you've been trusting on, as you've been kind of drifting over to these places of complacency, you've been trusting that simply going through the motions and focusing on religion and kind of clinging to the tag of Christianity is going to be enough. And listen religion and going through the motions is not pleasing to God what did he say early on in our text if you're not hot or cold it's sickening and I think some of us were honest this morning and we're analyzing our Christian life and I want to challenge you to do this right now analyze your Christian life if you have drifted to a place of complacency. Or maybe you have no relationship with Christ and you're trusting in religion. Christ looks at you and he basically says, you're really not having any impact. You're not hot. You're not cold. You're like this water that's been channeled down. That once maybe was cold. Once was useful. From Now it's got to this place where, you know what? It's sickening. You ever picked up a cup of coffee that you thought was still hot? So when I go to Starbucks, I don't go very often, but I either like the hot coffee or I like the iced. When either one of those meet in the middle, there's a problem. And some of your lives are kind of like that right now. So here's the challenge this morning. You see on the screen, religion versus relationship. If you've been trusted in, trusting in religion, you need to understand that will not save you. And if you're a believer who's gradually gone over to this place where religion is all your faith is about, then you're missing the mark. Some of us need to repent this morning and say, you know what? I want my life to count. I want my church to count. I want to make a difference. And the only way we can do that is to either be hot or cold, to be on, to, to, to be in this place where we're focused on our relationship with God. And some of us need to focus on that this morning. Will you stand with me as we close? Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have any questions or want to know more about having a closer relationship with Jesus Christ, please contact us online at hpbc.church. Please join us again next week as together we seek to know Christ and make Him known.